I want you to know that one of the things that we value at Awaken is uh, we affirm uh, the giftedness of people. Uh, this is kind of a sticky point in churches at times, and uh, it's always for good reason. Um, I think people want to be faithful to Scripture, and so have particular stances on men and women and their role in church. And uh, we just feel at Awaken that uh, the way we're re- that we read the Scriptures, and particularly what Paul says in the New Testament, um, that there is absolute reason and um, uh, and good reason to affirm the giftedness of, of people in general. Uh, and so I'm excited. Uh, Katie is uh, one of my friends. Um, she is on staff at the Upper Room over in uh, Minneapolis. And uh, actually the first uh, woman voice that we've had at Awaken in, in this year. And so I'm really, really excited to introduce her to you and, uh, and to just say um, we want to we be a part of what God's doing and we believe that the Spirit of God gifts people and so we want to give them uh, a place to exercise that gift. And so Katie's going to come and uh, share a little bit. Uh, kind of connected to last week with Steve and what he talked about with the Exodus. Uh, that, by the way, did you guys get the, uh, the, the graphic on, that, on this series? This is one of Toff's. Do we have that, by the way? Yeah, it's called Jorxidus, <laughs> which is the combination of Jordan and Exodus, in case you were wondering what in the world. So, without any further ado, can I please introduce to you my friend Katie Sanders. Give her a warm welcome, please. Thanks, Micah. Oh, didn't mean to hit you there. Well, good morning. How's everyone today? Um, I'm really, really thankful to be here today. Um, I I came and scoped you guys out about a month ago, (laughs) Um, and it was just such a sweet morning of worship and um, teaching, and I love hearing the stories of what God is up to um, in this place. So before we jump in, maybe a couple things about me so I'm not a total stranger to all of you. Um, I'm a Florida girl at heart. I I spent my whole life um, in Florida until I moved here after college. Um, Minnesota winters still um, <laughs> terrify me, and actually Minnesota summers terrify me. Um, I, I, uh, we, I don't remember Florida being this warm. So, um, but my heart's my heart's here, but my heart's there. Um, I love the beach, um, love the sunshine, love summer all year round. It's great. Um, second thing, I married my husband Travis about two years ago. We got married in a barn in Wisconsin. It was a great day, um, and um, we are learning a lot about relationship, being married, the adventure. Um, we got married a little later in life, so compromising, and um, we're trying to buy a house right now, and it's a lot of this, <laughs> but we're learning, and we're actually having a lot of fun, which is great. Also, I um, have a guilty pleasure of t- I don't watch TV much, but my recent guilty pleasure, I will confess, is Desperate Housewives of New Jersey. Anybody out there? Um, it's pretty bad, but I, I'm, I'm hook, line, and sinker. Also, in my heart of hearts, I believe Minnesota would probably be a much better state if we had Dunkin' Donuts. I really love Dunkin' Donuts. Could eat there every day and, and would be a problem probably, so maybe it's good that we don't. And lastly, I just ran my, um, well, the first 5K I ran in a decade. I ran yesterday. My husband and I did the, uh, Travis and I did the Stillwater Lumberjack Days 5K, and um, so I'm feeling pretty good about life. <laughs> I ran a 5K. I'm not a runner, so it was a big accomplishment for me. Well, as Micah said, we're in this two-week series. Um, Jorks should us. I had. To, I admit, I had to ask Toff. I'm like, Toff, what is the word? I can't. I can't say it. So he like wrote all the pronunciation for me. Um, and last week, Steve Weens was here and talked about the crossing of um, the Red Sea. And this morning's is the crossing of the Jordan. And um, the crossing of the Red Sea and the crossing of the Jordan are really two bookends in a very important chapter in the history of the Israelites. Um, between these two crossings are 40 years of them wandering in the desert 
And actually, some of my favorite stories in Scripture come from these chapters in Exodus. Um, And you see a cycle begin to emerge where um, the Israelites face a problem. They whine a lot. They complain a lot. Um, They doubt that the problem can be solved. Yet, God shows up. God provides. God makes a way. And so you hear these bookends of the Red Sea and the Jordan. God shows up. God provides. And God makes a way. Um, And about four weeks ago, Toph shared a little bit um, on this story. And so I thought today we'd look at it from a little bit of a different angle. Um, but it's great, the themes, I think, that are happening in this community this summer. Um, and because I work, one of my roles at Upper Room is working with children, I thought it'd be fun to maybe, and there's children in the room today, so I'm going to read to you a children's version um, of the story, this story. And maybe if you're comfortable, you can close your eyes. It'll be on the screens, but um, feel free. I would love for you just to imagine the story unfolding. Um, in this version, I don't know if parents out there have heard of the Jesus Storybook Bible hands down, such a great Bible. Even for adults, you guys should go pick it up. It's just, it brings God's stories to life, and it really points um, the story of God back to Jesus. Um, And this is not from the Jesus Storybook Bible, but it's our rendition at our church. We did like their style, I guess is how I'd say it. But before we read the story, let's pray. Loving God, thank you that we can gather together this morning and honor you. Thank you um, for all you're doing in the life of this community and around the world. Help us to hear you this morning. Draw um, us closer to you. May your voice be the loudest voice in this room. Amen. After Moses died, God gave his people a new leader. His name was Joshua, which means the Lord saves. Joshua was going to lead lead God's people into the special land God had promised to give them. By this time, God's people had been wandering around in that baking desert for 40 years. Can you imagine how sick they were of sand and anything yellow and tents and walking and being hot? And how happy they were to reach the edge of the desert to see their beautiful new home right there in front of them, all cool and green and lovely. There was only one problem, the Jordan. The Jordan was a river, but it wasn't just any old river. It was long and deep and wide, and because it was the harvest season, the Jordan was overflowing its banks. The people looked at the great river. The people looked at each other. It was so big, there was no way around it. But there was no way through it either. It was too deep. They didn't have any boats to sail across, and they couldn't swim across because it was too far. What were God's people going to do? No one knew, but God knew. And God told Joshua what to do. But Joshua must have been surprised, because it was a very strange thing indeed, as we'll soon find out. God told Joshua... Today I will make you a great leader in the eyes of all my people. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. I will look after you. I am with you. Be strong and courageous. And the strangest thing happened. As soon as their feet touched the water, the water stopped flowing. The river stood up like a wall. God's people walked across dry land. Um, this t- is, has for a long time been probably one of my favorite stories. And again, like we mentioned, God provides for his people. A couple of worthy things to note. Um, it is the season of the barley harvest. And so the Jordan was, like the story said, overflowing in its banks. Um, the Israelites were crossing this river at a time um, that very much magnified the power of God in his, in his help to get them across and also his kindness um, to the people of Israel. And God also gives very clear instructions of how they're supposed to cross. 
the priests are leading the way, and they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And if you've not heard of the Ark of the Covenant, it's, um, in a lot of ways, we would call it Israel's most sacred treasure. Um, and it's representative of the power and presence of God. And it housed the Ten Commandments, a jar of manna, Aaron's staff, which um, Moses did all kinds of miracles with, with the Ark of the Covenant leading the way. So they would say, with God's presence leading the way. The Israelites crossed over to dry land, and yet another miracle. And I can, I can sit here and say, and you probably agree with me, that this story is a very significant story in the fact that this crazy miracle happens. Um, but what I think makes this story more significant are the verses to follow. The story doesn't stop here. And you can read with me in Joshua 4, 4 through 7, it says this. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the rivers of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And I want to walk you through a couple of words in in the original language of Hebrew because I think they have a story to tell. The first one is the word stone, and it's used, um, it literally means stone, boulder. And it's a Hebrew word, eben. Um, And it's the same word, I think this is incredibly interesting, found in Psalm 118.22, and I think we have that too, Um, which says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And if you might, have, you might have heard this before, but later down the road in the Gospels, Jesus actually refers back to this verse, and he poses the question to the crowd, have you never read the scriptures? In the scriptures, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And I don't know this, what we're getting at. I'll read one more verse in Ephesians 2.20. God's household is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Jesus was the one that was rejected, but Jesus was the one that, and we know from the scriptures, he holds all things together. And so I just had to point out, I love when stories in the Old Testament, they, Jesus is right there in the middle of them. He's right there all along, um, and I love that. The second Hebrew word is the word for sign, which is um, pronounced oath, and it means a miraculous sign or remembrance. Um, and it's actually the same word used for the rainbow in the story of Noah and the ark, um, the sign for, used for the circumcision, and the sign that meant the covenant of God's people. Um, all the signs of Moses, when, when the Israelites are trying to leave Egypt, um, the blood on the doorpost at Passover, and that's just Genesis and Exodus. There are so many moments where God uses this word, and it's a sign, um, and it's a place where he shows up, and he wants his people to remember. So the crossing of the Jordan is a story um, about a miraculous event and an encounter with the living God. But I think it's also a story about the importance of remembering. God instructs um, his people to remember what he has done. He wants them to remember his presence, and he wants to remember that it was his faithfulness that made the entire journey from Egypt to the Promised Land possible. And overall, I'd have to argue that humans um, are not great at remembering. I think it's a funny thing how memory actually works, what sticks with us, what doesn't. Um, How many in the room would say that you're good at remembering? Is anybody like, proud of their memory. Anybody? No one? Um, I, myself, have a terrible memory. In fact, Stu's up here in the balcony. I, about, I don't know, four months ago, ran into him at a, at a breakfast spot, and um, he had worked at a church where I used to work, and 
I, um, <laughs> I was like, oh, Stu, it's so nice to meet you. I've heard so many good things about you. And I went on and on, and he just says, oh, that's funny. You said that to me the first time you met me. <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay, I did, I did meet you once before. My memory really is, is not, um, it's not working out for me. Um, but maybe it's because we, we literally have billions of things to remember in our lives. I mean, the list is endless. We have to remember important dates, directions to places, to take out the recycling. For us, it's on Tuesdays. We have to remember to check the pockets of our pants before we wash things. We have to remember where we leave our keys. This is probably my greatest struggle. I, I don't know how it's possible to lose your keys so many times in one week. Remember user IDs and passwords? That's another annoying one. Um, But luckily, in today's day and age, we have things that might help us remember. We have alerts. Um, My favorite website, maybe not favorite, but one of my most helpful websites is Birthday Alarm. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. You plug in all your people, you plug in all their birthdays, and it sends you an email the week before their birthday. You're like, oh, i got to get my grandma a card. Her birthday's this week. It's really, really great. Bill pay alerts, I mean, those are helpful. Um, Sometimes I'm I'm known to set an alarm on my phone, um, and then the alarm will go off, um, supposedly reminding me I need to do something, but usually the alarm goes off and I'm like, why did I set the alarm? <laughs> and I'm racking my brain for a reason. Um, and I'm sure there's probably a great app out there I don't know about yet that helps us remember. So if you have a really good one that you love, let me know after church. Um, remembering is just a part of life. Um, but today I want to talk a little bit about um, a different type of remembering. And I'm going to call it spiritual remembering. And I need to just say, pause here and say I was a little hesitant to call it spiritual remembering. Um, I think sometimes the word spiritual can carry all kinds of connotations. Um, And simply because I believe God is so much bigger than our spiritual boxes, if that makes sense. I think God can be found anywhere. Um, In my own journey, like the quote-unquote spiritual um, has not been limited to worship gatherings or prayer or Bible study. Um, Although God does indeed show up in those places, I've met with God in therapy sessions, in the yoga, yoga studio, in the aisles of Target, um, in music, in books, um, in film. And so I think God really is in all things. Um, but today we'll, we'll call it spiritual remembering because what it really is and what it really involves is an encounter with the divine. When the God of heaven and earth draws near to us, or maybe we draw near to him. And just like God instructed the Israelites to remember, I think he calls us to remember as well. So what is spiritual remembering? Um, it's, quite so, it's quite simple, really. It's, it's remembering the times when God shows up, really shows up in your life. And I want to add here that I believe, and I think Scripture teaches, that God is always here. We know he never leaves us, never forsakes us, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Um, but we are people who sometimes are distracted, and we are people who um, have sometimes very little margin in our lives, and we don't always see God's activity But I think you would agree with me, there are moments, there are very clear moments in your life when you absolutely, to the tips of your toes, know God was in that. And so that's the kind of memories we're talking about today. What's really cool is that I feel like this community has already laid such a great foundation for spiritual remembering. As I was preparing for my message this week, I had the chance to watch the Ebenezer's of Awaken um, video, and I was blown away. So if you haven't seen it yet, I would really encourage you to watch it. And I don't want to spoil it for you, um, but I have to say that that video captures the definition of spiritual remembering. Um, and Micah states it as capture, um, you capture the defining moments in the story of God's people. Um, and today I want to, that's communally, but it's also individually. Um, so how do we remember? How do we actually capture memories? 
Um, it could be in writing. It could be in f- photograph. It could be in objects. Um, there's so many ways. It could be a playlist if songs really connect you to different places in your life where God was there. Um, but the best part is that it's entirely up to you. Um, capturing memories is actually, I mean, a multi-billion dollar industry if you think about it. Photographers, videographers, um, digital scrapbooking, Shutterfly, Snapfish, Creative Memories. I did try Creative Memories once. I spent a lot of money and never made an album, but I was really well-intentional, intended. Um, stores like Archivers, and now with the advent of the blog, I mean, there are memories are captured in written record. And it's amazing to me, too, when you look at social networking sites like Facebook, how memories um, can be stored and shared among friends. Um, my friends, John and Laura, actually keep a Living Stones scrapbook. And this comes from the story in Joshua. And it's a scrapbook for their family that they all, the kids, they all work on it together. And it just tells the stories of the moments where God has shown up in the life of their family. Um, for your community, it might be a photograph of Cherokee Heights Park. Or it might be a photograph of the cabin where Micah, um, he really heard from God. Those are important, those are important memories. My friend Mara actually keeps a mason jar um, full of small objects and little notes, and that's her little jar of um, memories with Jesus. For me, um, it looks like a purple Rubbermaid tub. I love purple Rubbermaid tubs, but this particular one, our basement's lined with them, like six rows, and they're all labeled, you know, Christmas, winter clothes. Um, But one is just filled with journals. Uh, I started journaling um, my senior year of high school, and basically it's just my prayers to God. Um, and I, a few summers ago, I was home in Florida. I went back and I chronologically numbered all of them. I think there were like 27. I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of writing. But I can go back at any time in my life, and I've told Travis if I were to die, they have to be burned. Um, but I can go back and look over my life, and I can read moments of God's faithfulness where God has shown up. Um, and even like a couple weeks ago, I, I was out, I finished my last journal and I was so excited to buy a new one. It's like this great new thing to start a new journal and just to keep the story of God alive in my life. Um, and I also have objects, I think, that I keep a little stash of that help tell my story. I have a wooden cross from vacation Bible school at my grandparents' church. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but my grandparents did go to church. And so we'd go to VBS at their church every summer. And I just have this memory of like, meeting God and not really understanding what that meant because it wasn't a part of our, um, our family. I have a piece of fabric from a high school retreat, and I just remember um, it's an old, old West King song. I don't know if you guys remember West King, but, um, and it just talked about um, God's robe that covers us and carries us and that his grace is there for us. And so I have this piece of fabric that I will never let go of. Um, a letter from my youth pastor, Michael, just reminding me who I was and how much I was loved. Um, my wedding vows, um, Several collages. One thing we do on our staff at Upper Room is we like to make collages um, of kind of where you're at and what, you know, where your soul is at. You just flip through magazines and you rip out pictures and you make a collage that kind of tells the story of where God has been at work in your life. And I have a stack of collages. um, And they all go back to different times and they all mean something to me. Um, And then a piece of scrap art that I made um, for several years I think my most heartfelt prayer has been, God, help me to receive your love. Like, I know God's love is real, but I've, I've struggled to just receive it. And so I have this scrap art that I made, um, and that forever will be in my box, in my memorials of um, moments where God really, really has been a part of my life. 
So one day I want to go to the container store. I love the container store. I'm going to find like the most perfect box to store all my memories in. And uh, maybe you guys want to do that too. But I'm grateful for these memories, um, for these stones of remembrance. Um, They remind me that I have encountered the living God. Um, They remind me that he loves me, that he's for me, and that he wants my life to be a life to the full. So a couple of reasons I want to talk today. Why is spiritual remembering important? Um, Some might argue that memories are just pieces of the past um, and don't maybe have much value, but I believe that they can make a difference in your life and the lives of others. So two reasons to remember. The first one is that it shapes our faith. God knows we are people who forget. Um, And I'm called um, to reflect on the story of the upper room when Jesus is with his disciples and he has them drink of the cup and eat um, a piece of bread. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. And so we have this beautiful um, sacrament of communion that we, we, and I know here you guys do it once a month, and it is a remembrance of who Christ is um, and what he has done in your life um, and what he did on the cross. And it's just a reminder that God knows that we are people who forget that we need to be encouraged to remember. We have to remember the goodness and grace of God, no matter what we are facing. And sometimes we have to admit that that might be the hardest thing imaginable. So I'm not sure um, what you are facing this morning as you walked in this room. If you feel like you um, are on solid ground or sinking sand, we know life is filled with um, such beauty and also such tragedy. Um, But I believe, I really believe, when we look back and remember our faith is strengthened. The Israelites were crossing the Jordan, and they were soon to arrive in the promised land. But if you know, there's more to the story, that soon there would be destructive kings and idol worship. There would be a divided kingdom. There'd be exile from their land. Um, Really hard things were to follow. And I think God has this moment of them putting these 12 stones in this place to help them remember that he was there, that he will never leave them. And so one day, when, it, when all hope seemed lost, they can look back and remember who God was and how he provided for them. So when trouble overtakes us in our own lives, I think we can um, look back in remembrance, and sometimes the actual practice of remembering can restore our faith and hope in God. So remembering takes place on a spiritual level, but I think um, it takes place on a very literal and physical level, too. Um, and my, I don't have a lot of spare time, but um, I'm for sure a learner. I don't know if you guys know strength finders. I'm for sure a learner, and I love just reading about new things. And one of my kind of side things I love reading about is brain development, um, especially when I think about I work with children and students, like where, they're, where, where they are developmentally and how that helps them understand and know Christ. Um, but recently, studies are showing that our thoughts um, can change the structure and function of our brains. It's actually called the science of neuroplasticity, And it's the ability of our neurons, the things firing around in our brains, to forge new connections, to blaze new paths, and even sometimes to take on new roles. Um, So to put that in a short sentence, neuroplasticity is the rewiring of our brains. Um, So scientists are saying now that we have the power to shape our brains. That's pretty significant. But the thing is, I really believe this is God's design. And I look at a verse like Romans 12.2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. I think about Paul's words to the Philippians um, in chapter 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, 
whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I think there is truth that when we remember, when we call to mind the truth of who God is, it can change our brains. I think it can change the way we think about our lives, about our circumstances, and I think it ultimately um, has the power to change our lives. Now, the second reason I think it's important for us to remember is that we have a story to tell. In Joshua 4, um, in the, the verses following goes on to say, He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. We remember so we can share our story, our encounters with the living God. Retelling your story will help keep memories of God alive in your family, in this community, and even in our world. Um, one of the, my favorite stories passed on in my family um, is um, my great-great-great, maybe great-grandfather, Allison Waddell, um, served in the Civil War. Um, he was a, a soldier for the South. Um, and after returning from battle one day, like legitimate battle with all kinds of things happening, um, he was unpacking his bag, and he got out his Bible, and inside his Bible was a bullet. And all we know in our family just says the Bible stopped the bullet. And we don't know what that would have meant had it not stopped the bullet, but um, to grow up in a family where God wasn't talked about, the story somehow resonated with me, like, oh, there's this Bible, and it stopped this bullet. And my dad tells that story, and I want to tell my kids that story one day, and I hope my kids tell their kids. And that's just part of our family history, um, that God showed up. Um, Even preparing for this message, I had the chance to just talk with my husband, Travis, and ask him about his own spiritual memories. And I feel like even having that conversation, you have such insight into who someone is, what's important to them, um, how they've met with God. um, And those are all just really great things. And you might be in this room thinking, Katie, I don't have children, Um, but if you're a part of this community here at Awaken, um, just look around this room and look upstairs. There are children in your midst. Um, I just finished a really great book um, by Kenda Creasy-Dean. It's called Almost Christian, and it's a book about the adolescent adolescent faith. And she was a part of a three-year study um, with the National Study of Youth and Religion, Um, and they had all kinds of findings, and um, they're really trying to figure out how do adolescents have faith that continues with them past high school? Um, and one of the biggest findings was that students were walking away from church with kind of a, a watered-down faith, um, that God was good and everything's about me, but if I need God, he's there, and um, a little bit just not on track. And what their findings told them was that it wasn't necessarily the student's fault for having that theology, but it was the churches that were teaching them that. And so, awaken. You have children in your midst. You have an opportunity. Um, And also, I would say, a responsibility to share your story with the generations to come. Um, So we have a story to tell, and it's not just for ourselves. It's for those around us. We have an opportunity to teach our children about God's involvement in our lives. And we have an opportunity to teach our children um, about a God who did and still will do great things. So please hear me when I say that your story has the potential to inspire others and bring hope to their souls. So in closing, my questions to you, and I think I'd love to take just a couple minutes um, because you guys have tables, and I think you do this here, which is so great, um, to maybe share with one another 
Um, what are your spiritual memories? Um, what are your stones? What are they? And what do they mean to you? So let's just discuss for a couple minutes if you're comfortable, um, and then I'll, we'll reconvene. How about that? Um, well, I'm sure, I'm sure that conversation could keep going um, past our time this morning. Um, so my challenge to you as we, as, we, um, as we leave this place is to spend some time reflecting on the question, what are my stones? What are my spiritual memories? Um, and the second one, just like the Israelites, um, where they actually physically took 12 stones from this river and made a memorial, um, take some time. Make it a priority to start creating memorials. Um, whether that's written records or scrapbooks, um, photo albums, playlists, boxes filled with objects. Um, I think that there's a great lesson to be learned in um, collecting those things, having those memories, and having those stories to tell. So, and as we close, I love how the story from Joshua ends, and I think it's a perfect way to end our time this morning. Um, Verse 24 reads, He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know the hand of the Lord is powerful, and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. And the Greek word here for know is yada, which means, um, one translation is to know by experience. Not just to know and have head knowledge, but to know because you have actually lived it, experienced it, been a part of it. So awaken community, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too deep to understand. And may you continue to tell your story that points to God's story. Let's pray. Loving God, we know we are people who forget. Help us to become people who remember. Give us eyes to see when you show up. And give us the grace to stop and take time to remember. To create scrapbooks or boxes or memorials that strengthen our faith. And remind us of who you are. And will help to tell your story for generations to come. We pray this in Christ's name.